for coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterly, brought to you by social media for high school athletes. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast, brought to you every single week by lots of good folks. Our friends over at Dutick Brand, check them out, dutickbrand.com. They've got all the amazing coaching accessory needs you could think of, coach training cards, amazing notebooks like the trainer, that's my personal favorite, and even some great wearable accessories like beanies and t-shirts, including Nick's favorite murdered out black on black Dutick brand t-shirt. We're members of Dutick brand FC over here and you should be too. Check out dutickbrand.com. And when you're checking out, use the promo code soccer chat for a sweet discount. So dutickbrand.com, use the promo code soccer chat and save yourself on some coaching accessories. And speaking of coaching accessories, Big shouts to our friends over at Torx. Check them out, T-O-R-R-X.com. They have the world's greatest ball pump. That's right. You've never seen a ball pump like this. If you haven't seen a Torx, go check it out. It's what the world's talking about. It's what all of Soccer Chat's talking about. Get yourself one today over at T-O-R-R-X.com. Follow them at Torx Soccer on Twitter. He's Nick. I'm Sean. And man, um, what's your week been like? Uh, we just got off of like and every like i i'm not like complaining because everyone in the country has to do this but we just got off of a nine day stretch where we had four games and so right now we're just kind of in recovery mode preparing for our game on saturday so uh that's been the main part of our week right now but yeah it's been good it's 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 one of those things where this point of the year i think everyone is just praying that their team stays healthy and and if you're not staying healthy, you're doing a lot of troubleshooting to try to make sure that you have the the best scenario possible for each individual game. We're out two starters right now, which isn't ideal, but it's one of those things where we're we're trying to we're tr- pushing through and trying to figure things out as we go. You know, I was at a a field recently, and I saw a couple of younger games going on, and I want to say the players are maybe. Uh, 11, 10-ish age, whatever it may be. And I think, I and I know this doesn't go for every coach because I, I know that every coach who listens to this is, is really good. But if there are people, if you are yelling at your 10 and 11-year-olds the same way you would at 18-year-olds, I think you're doing something a little bit differently than what I think you should be doing. Um, I, I, I pulled up to a field's, and I was watching the game, and there was one team who obviously was controlling the game because their coach was calm, relaxed, coaching his players. Uh, and then the other team's coach was just like on fire and just screaming and yelling and constantly berating the players. And I'm thinking to myself, like, these cats are like 11 or 10 years old. That's a good way to get kids to quit the game. Well, it's funny because like, I, I actually like was talking about this with someone the other day where – it, I mean, and it's really applicable to the interview that we have coming up, but at that age, especially a young age, you want people to really enjoy what they're doing every single day. Like yeah. the burnout is increasing every single year because of overbearing parents or overbearing coaches. And so really the, the purpose of things at that age is to make sure that everyone's having fun playing the game. I think that's where our country does get it a little bit wrong because most countries, when you're at that age, you're still playing so much pickup and you're still playing so much just random soccer and it's more enjoyable. We're like here where we're, 
just already over coaching, already doing it like just too many things that don't make the game fun for people. It's it, it definitely makes it difficult. I, I just found myself now, um, you know, with my kids getting heavy into playing things and I know um I, I even had a friend this week who who reached out to me who um they pulled their daughter off of the field because of how the coach had been acting for um, a period of the of a training session, I guess it was. Uh, they were working on something that was probably above the level of play of of the players involved, and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of punishments for about forty five minutes for not being able to do said drill. Um, to where it was like, okay, like they're ten years old. So, you know, what's this got to do with making them have fun and love to play the game of soccer uh, and, and pulled their kid off for that. And I found myself now, like when I pulled up to that game and I heard this going on, I was getting myself set up and, and I kind of, I was like, man, like, why are you doing that? And then I thought to myself, if, my, if I was on the other side of the field and that's my, my children's coach, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd be too happy. And I definitely feel like I, like. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm one of those people like, I'll definitely tell you to your face, but like, I think that would be something worth chatting about after a game. Again, I, I like, I've joked with people and you're, you're probably, I mean, you're obviously closer in this boat than I am where is when you go to Quinn's games right now, is it easy for you to kind of take a backseat or do you feel like that you have to say something if something's going wrong? Like say something to her or to someone to the coaches. Well, Quinn's current coach is my wife, um, so uh, I, I keep that pretty on the on the low. Uh, you know, I, I just I, with with that aspect, um, if she asks me a question, I will gladly assist her with it. But I anybody who knows me and my wife, I'm not going to go out of my way to tell her how to do something. Um, not uh, not not how uh, how, how we operate, but. Um, you know, and then with her, her, you know, academy program now, like with me coaching it, um, you know, I think maybe that's, I feel like it's kind of a reason why my wife got into the, into coaching this year, um, because of, you know, she would never say anything to the coaches or, or to whoever. Um, but these, the things that she would, uh, mention to me or the things I guess you could say vent about, um, I just finally, I was like, why don't you just coach her? And that's what kind of got her into the 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 thought process of of trying to uh, or the thought process of coaching this 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 fall. So, um, I so if if we weren't coaching her, um, I guess I would say I guess I would say no because I know in a previous experience with Quinn and with um, you know the 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 training environment, the playing environment, um, I was the one who was just like you know what like they're four. Like, just just let it go, and we will we will do our best as parents to keep reiterating that no matter what, the game is still fun. And yeah. when we and then when we are with them playing, because like it's like I've said on the show numerous times, like we go there's a soccer park that's literally a minute and a half around the corner from our house. Uh, we go up there's a family, and we make sure that you know soccer is seen as something that's fun. It's not a chore. It's not uh, homework or anything like that. So um, that's kind of, that's kind of the route I go, but I feel like, and, and of course, you know, Quinn's only, only played Rex. So I'm thinking of, you know, this game that I, I watched, you know, these are club parents. This is a club game where there is good amount of money's being spent on this. Yeah. And 
like we've always said, you know, at the at, this is a, a form of entertainment and business. So I'm looking at if I'm putting this investment into my child and this team, especially if they're 10 and 11 years old, that's not the product I'm wanting. Yeah. And I think the issue, I was talking to, with someone about this the other day, why am I drawing a blank? It was so many shows ago. Who's our boy at Colorado Rush, that young guy who was. Oh, P- Peter May. Peter May. We, and he he was, I, I, I wish I remembered his name off the top of my head, but I do remember what he said. And he was talking about how we get it backwards in this country sometimes where our most qualified coaches are always coaching the older age groups yeah. and not necessarily the the age groups that are needing the most development. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's a case where, unfortunately, sometimes our most qualified coaches aren't working with the age groups that need it the most. And that would be one of those age groups. So I totally agree with you. I think, but the, the thing that will always come back around is okay. Well, you know, coaches don't grow on trees. So you got to kind of got to use, uh, use the cards that are given to you. Yeah, for sure. And that, and again, different areas and different like clubs have different resources. And so it's not always the easiest thing in the world for sure. But I guess it, it like the last thing I would say for the parents out there that are experiencing something like that, you just have to make sure you do your research to make sure you're getting the experience that you want, the best bang for your buck when you're going. Shout it. out to the Pink Duckies. Uh, they they played their first game uh, this most uh, this recent Monday, uh, my wife's coaching debut. Uh, it um, the the part of the game that I was there, uh, I would say there's there's a lot of good kids on on Quinn's team. It's an all girls league. Um, it was fun to watch. I, I was being frustrated dad for a little bit, uh, cause my daughter was not playing, uh, to her typical level, I guess you would want to call it. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know, I, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything, but it's just like, all right, like, you know, I got to go to practice anyway. So I guess I'm, I'm not going to miss much while later while I was at practice, I got a text message, uh, for my wife, that was like, well, she did much better in the second half, was super aggressive, played really, really hard and scored two goals. Did you see any of that? And I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> none, none of any of those things happened while I was actually there. That's uh, It's honestly the thing I'm most concerned about when I eventually have kids is like, I feel like I'm going to be so jaded and like, so used to coaching all my college kids that like, if my daughter or son is just like, lollygagging around i'm gonna be like well you need to fix this or we're going like i'm i feel like i'm gonna be way too unsympathetic towards the fact that they're four and five years old by the time i get to that point she knows if she just is out there to lollygag um she she gets sad about because she knows that that makes mom and dad upset so um we just keep reiterating like have fun have fun have fun but you know speaking of having fun we have a really awesome guest this week uh somebody that been wanting to have on the show for a while they were very very shy and then i finally um through the gift of vocabulary convinced them to come on the show and you're going to get so much information no matter what level you coach at you're going to get something from our guest this week
pops up that says, wait for it to come up, avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. So letting everyone know that you're being recorded. (laughs) Sean, you are not allowed to record me. This might be (laughs) our hundred and like sixth episode, but this is where I'm drawing the line. This is at 106 is the limit. Actually, if Nick would pay attention to his own podcast, this one, the one this week will be 107. This one will be 108. (laughs) <laughs> and then 109 that we recorded last night. So fair. It's because well, he's you're he's, an awesome 110, Ronnie. It's, it's so hard <laughs> to keep track of Sean and all the, all these things that we're doing all the time. I'm I'm more in your camp. I'm like, just tell me where to be, when to be there, and that's good that's, enough for me. Thanks. I, you get me. You get me. That's what that's what Nick so is got, in this operation. You got to dump that cores, but you know. But other than that, I can get past. Ooh. If you talk, if you talk, to, if you talk to Sean or my assistant Katie Reese, like that is the only thing I'm good for is showing up and <laughs> listening to what people tell me to do. It's it's funny because I wouldn't really say that I'm like super organizational, and I think my wife would echo that. But when it comes to this chat, like. I, I, I've got to carry the load. So I, this your gig, man. This is your gig. You crush it. Someone's got to. That's yeah. Because if, if we if I if we weren't, who who knows where? And, we'd be and Ryan, don't worry. I got options. I got, you got I got options. I got Stella too. Oh, that's okay. That's that's stepping up. That's stepping up. Nick just goes <laughs> yeah. to the store and says, "Whatever whatever Lucy's you got, throw them in the bag." There you go. There you go. I don't know what's in my fridge yet. Haven't been that far. <laughs> We have a lot of college coaches on this show, and it's mainly because like a lot of our friends are are college coaches. But we always say like we want more club coaches, we want uh, more high school coaches. And uh, before we got started, uh, Nick made a very very in- interesting point, and uh, this is the part where um, where we really put over our guests about how amazing they are. Uh, and typically, I try to go through like the list of accomplishments, but Nick. What you labeled our guests, can you please tell that to everybody? Because we got to put all these titles out there and really hype this up. So I read Ronnie's bio and I saw that she had been working with three to seven year olds for over 14 years. And I I, I first complimented her, but I told her that like I was really excited talking to her for a little bit because she wasn't an actually insane person. Because I feel like in order to work with three to seven-year-olds in soccer for the last 14 years, you would have to be a little mentally unstable. And, Ryan, it turns out you're not mentally unstable. So this conversation is going to be very interesting to figure out how you've done that for the last 14 years without just going absolutely insane. Medication is a wonderful thing. (laughs) 12-ounce cans. (laughs) That's the only way I think I would have survived. (laughs) We have with us Ronnie Andrew from North Shore United Soccer Club, one of our our new friends that we gathered from our time in Wisconsin uh, with the Women's Symposium up there and a and, and good friend of the show. Uh, as Nick stated, you are with the rest of us coaches who can only deal with older ones are the heaven sent. Uh, and, you know, going through uh, your, your, your bio and just what you are doing is absolutely incredible. And we're going to dive into those. But uh, as you know, when it comes to the show, to understand the coach you are now, we've got to know how you got to this point. So we're going to play the psychiatrist for a little bit. And we're going to figure out what caused you to say, hey, three and seven-year-olds, that's my jam. <laughs> well, um, it's probably a teacher thing. Um, I am 
on the older side of uh, soccer life. Um, and I didn't have childhood soccer. I didn't start playing till I was 40. And um, maybe it's because I missed out on U8 soccer myself. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, I've worked with preschool kids before. Um, I've got my own kids. They're grown now. Um, but I just love being around kids. That's a, I mean, if, if I, if I was to slip into the educator shoes real quick, like that's, I don't know if it gets any better answer than that. If you just like kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, um, it's a kind of a cool thing to be able to influence kids without having to worry about, am I getting them from point A to point B in life in a classroom, uh, expectations, all of those things. It's such more of a relaxed atmosphere to be able to work with them. And you still are um, a big influence in who they become as little people. And uh, I just I just love being around it. It's just fun. So, so you mentioned, you know, starting soccer later on in life. So how did, how did you get to coaching where you're at now? Um, when did it all start when you said, Hey, I'm going to coach. <laughs> uh, it was, I was working in a coffee shop and, uh, when I found soccer myself, so to speak, uh, it was kind of on a midlife crisis dare. I won't lie. Um, and fell in love with the game. And uh, was playing in an indoor soccer complex here uh, in Brookfield near Milwaukee and um, saw different things going on there and was wondering how I could get involved. And um, kids were going to school. I was just looking for things to do to fill my time while the kids were in class. And they had a little kids class that a guy was teaching. And I started out working an hour and a half a week with this guy and it just evolved from one thing to the next then it was running the classes myself then it was coming up with curriculums then it was managing the program then it was teams and honestly I swore I would never ever coach a team of kids it would always be just classes where I could teach them like the technical things and not have to get into the tactical because I was really uncomfortable because I didn't feel like I really knew the game back then. And uh, so I, I swore I would never coach kids. And the next thing I'm coaching six-year-olds, oh, I swear I won't coach anything over 10. Next thing you know, I'm coaching a U-12 team. <laughs> so <laughs> it it did lead to bigger things. But um, yeah, it just it morphed all on its own. I just followed the lead. What, uh, what's, I, I'm really intrigued by the falling in love with the game. What, uh, you know, for, for somebody who didn't play growing up and, and what was it that made, made soccer just like take over everything in life? Not everything in life, but oh, just oh, where you did. just. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you, like, I think you hit it on the nose your first time through, Sean. Like, okay, it well, then, yeah. Okay. So, life. so what was it about soccer that made it take over life? Um, well, I think. I didn't really play sports when I was younger. I dabbled in uh, a little softball here, a little volleyball there. Um, nothing really ever stuck. And um, I think 
the the group that I started with, it was a women's soccer club here, and they were super inviting to somebody who had no idea what was going on. I literally, my first step on the field um, in brand new cleats, I was like a little kid going to the store, buying my new <laughs> shoes and stuff. Brand new cleats, stuck in the turf, flat on my face. I kid you not, first two steps on the field. And um, going into this group of ladies who was, uh, you know, people who were willing to teach, um, help me learn the game. Camaraderie was a big part of it. Um, Once I started picking up some skills, it was a confidence builder for me. Um, I had never done anything like that before. Um, So it was it was everything they say is important about kids being involved in sports, getting self-confidence, leadership skills, all of those things that all happened to me when I stepped out on the field. And I can so, I can only envision you like out in the backyard practicing like after practice and like picking I've up the skills. <laughs> hey, no I've shame done. in that. I like I like as soon as you said that like you know they were teaching you skills and whatnot, I was like, she's in the backyard, got a ball at her feet and and working on the stuff that they told her. I have put cones in my living room and dribbled around getting my steps in, so to speak, with the <laughs> phrase, uh, getting my steps in, uh, doing figure eights around cones, small touches while I'm watching, you know, Law and Order. Uh, <laughs> it's been done. <laughs> it's been done. That's quality. That's more uh, than me and Sean have done over the last year with individual work. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, other than I can't tell you last time I I did a drill on my own just like just to try it. Um, I got beat by one of my players in a game yesterday, and I'm still a little salty about it. I can I can tell when you're taking drinks of that beer. I I I'm I totally am sensing that. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not gonna lie. It, it's it's rough when a a, a four year old takes you down. It is. <laughs> it's, it's a I, tough to the ego. <laughs> I honestly like. I'm dreading the day. If if Quinn stays with it, that she just absolutely torches me. And oh, she, she's my, my fear is like it's going to happen a lot quicker than what I'm expecting. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. I tell it, you, the one happen. it's the great one, though. The last couple of practices, the one who I'm really worried about is my little son. He has showed like zero interest in sports. Uh, but like if Sissy's playing, like he'll go out and he'll play. And this dude, he's even though he's like the same size as the ball, he's been taking the ball away and like going and trying to score. And I'm like, okay, like may have something with this one too, but he's also a big bruiser and he will like throw you down. So yeah, then he's actually the, the one I'm really worried about. It's the sleepers that it's the sleepers that will surprise you the most. I've, I found that the kid I've had the kid who for a whole season cried on the sideline, just sat and talked with his dad the other day, the kids playing uh, elite U14, U15 soccer now winning championships of this and championships that. And uh, I remember his start was uh, his dad had to sit on the field on the grass and he wouldn't participate. And then afterwards he would kick the ball around with his dad. But if I came anywhere near, the kid went to tears. (laughs) Yeah, so they they grow out of it. They grow out of it. What's been, um, and I know that you... um directory you know, of, of rec leagues uh with, with the younger ages and, and with this show especially like with with coaching what is the thing that you like is there one thing that you try to make sure that every rec coach no matter what if they've done it before or it's their first time doing it, like is there like one specific thing you want them to work with the kids on 
Um, I think the biggest thing that would be my dream for every rec coach to have a skill for them to have is to be able to get down to the kid level and apply what they're trying to get across to the kids with their lesson plan, their, their training plans, their, their, um, session plans is a age appropriate, um, for, you know, for what kids are actually competent mentally to handle and then physically to handle, and then to be able to convey that at a level of say a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old because they all think so differently and it's, I, I, if you can come at it from a, a teacher type of a background, th- it, that's my best rec coach, probably. I'm in, and I'm intrigued just because, like, this venture now with, with Quinn is like our first time, like, my first time, like, coaching when it comes to rec, and, and my wife's first time um, coaching something other than swimming. So I'm always intrigued by, like, we, we, we kind of talked before the first practice, like, all right, like what's something we want these kids to learn? Like if at the end of the season, like there's one thing that they're going to know how to do. So I think for us, like that's why our thing's just been like dribbling, like mm-hmm. control the ball, touches the ball, being comfortable with it. Um, so that's why I, I always wonder, like, is there something that, cause every rec league's different. Some rec leagues, it's, sure. it's they throw you, uh, to the wolves and you got to figure it out yourself. Some of them, they actually, I know, um, like up at uh, Midland soccer club where I lived at in Michigan, they actually had the club coaches come out and work with the rec coaches, uh, and just give them a couple of things to, to work on. And then, uh, they, they come back a, a couple months, a couple weeks later and we'd see, you know, how it was doing in their, their sessions. So I'm always intrigued by, is there something that maybe like, cause every rec league is different. Maybe if there's like a national thing that like a national rec league that says like, this is what mm-hmm. we want every kid to know at this age, this age, this age, and this age. So almost kind of like a curriculum. Yeah, and you know, I struggle with that because as much as I'd love to see that, um, that's almost kind of what our academies and our lower lower level select teams are kind of getting at, and that transition between uh, academy to select kind of thing, it 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 kind of, that kind of falls in that category, and the recreational leagues, um, while I would love to see some sort of development happen in those there are in our area particularly and in in my club it they're really I I hate to say strictly for fun because the coaches are working with the kids and they are teaching them some things but it it really kind of is left out you're you're left to the the knowledge and the skill level of whoever you have volunteering yeah and that could run the ranges and so we've been encouraging the coaches to start diving into those um, grassroots modules that U.S. Soccer is putting out. Um, there's some really good stuff in there, and it provides um, a little bit more um, of a curriculum-type structure where it, it kind of shows people this is what U6 is capable of, this is what U10 is capable of, and then U12 and U14. And if you can fall through those guidelines um, – we are starting to develop a sort of a culture with our club right now where our rec coaches are starting to talk to each other. And there's some dads who are coaching U8 and U10 teams because they've got kids on both of them. 
and I'm encouraging them to look at what they're doing at U8 and seeing how they can build on that with U10 because some of these dads are just walking up the ladder with their kids. Um, so I, while I think rec isn't necessarily a place for curricular type training, um, I think you can use aspects of that to make your rec program better. Um, get your rec coaches talking to each other so that everybody's kind of getting together on that page and seeing where they can take the kids. Cause I, um, we actually, we were talking on the, on the way to, to practice, uh, today, uh, when I asked my wife, like what the plan was and whatnot. And I was at, and I'm, I try to play devil's advocate. Like people always play with me like, well, why are you doing that? Like, not like second guessing. We're just like, give me an explanation. Like why you're doing that. And she made an excellent comment today of, uh, she said, well, you know, they're five and four. I don't want to give them anything that's over their head. And when I was asking her about, you know, like where she's looking at to, uh, to get like the exercise that she's getting, she's like, um, you know, like I'm finding them, but she's like, but some that I see, like even for that specific age, she's like, I feel like it's going to go way over their head. Right. Uh, so I, that's why I was trying to wonder, like, cause you see a lot of these websites that have U six lesson plans, but like that's for quote unquote travel you right. travel you right. seven you eight which is ridiculous but that's a whole nother topic right um, so so that's where like is there a way to find out like is there a buzzword or something like when when we're looking at these drills of like okay like that's definitely going to go over the head well i i like to take it i like to think of it like um Think of your drill as a lesson you would be teaching in school. So, for instance, if you've got preschool kids, you're not going to be teaching them addition, subtraction, multiplications, things like that. Um, getting, getting coaches and even parents um, to understand that the kids have to learn what the number one looks like first before they know it goes in an order. And then before they realize they can add two numbers together um there's there's steps to it so i think um what i try to do when i'm coaching little ones i try to break it down to like the most um basic of basics and i and i guess i don't worry too much you know i like to get the kids dribbling with their laces right out of the gate but you know that's not going to happen and if you tell kids not to use their toes to kick the ball that's not going to happen so I find different ways to explain what they're trying to do with the ball um, I, I really rarely try to use the word kick the ball because yeah. um, you know when they're dribbling I, I ask them what they're doing and they tell me they're kicking the ball I'm like well no you're really not I want you to push the ball but not kick the ball that's an excellent point um, yeah, and it's just and and I explained to them too that um, you know there's different kinds of kicking. There's there's dribbling kicking. There's passing kicking. There's shooting kicking. There's punting kicking. There's juggling kicking. And there's all these different ways that you can kick the ball. Um, so I get them looking at it so that they realize there's different ways that they need to use their feet when they're moving the ball. Um, when we work on dribbling, again, like I said, I, I ask them to push the ball around the field with their shoelaces instead of to kick the ball with their shoelaces. Um, it makes a big difference. And suddenly, in five minutes, you have kids who are starting to control the ball. I don't use soccer words right away. I, you know, it's like um, make the ball do what you want it to do, and then eventually introduce you're in control of the ball. And then in six weeks' time, suddenly they know what controlling the ball is. Um, it's just, and and for each group of kids, it's different. Um, what 
certain groups can understand, even what certain individual kids can understand, is each one is different. And that the best coaches that you have can sort of get in there, kind of deduce what they've got to work with, how kids operate, which kid is the one that's going to be shutting down, uh, which kid is the aggressive kid and who's going to be bowling over all the other kids. And you really have to work with them um, with, you know, like to their strengths and not so much their weaknesses. You build their strengths first, then you go back and you try to correct their weaknesses without letting them know that there's actually a weakness there. It, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. One of the things I'm curious about, like there's a few questions I had off that just from my own experience is like, is there a difference that you've noticed with young boys and young girls like specifically at the ages that you've worked with that might work better with one or the other from three to seven? Uh, girls pick up things a lot faster than the boys okay. do. Um, girls listen usually better than the boys do. Uh, girls want to please the coaches more than the boys do generally. Um, not so much at three and four, but once you start hitting five, six, those boys are realizing uh you know, some of the aggressive traits that they have and they, they can do. And, and it's, it's really super generalizing it, but, um, it, it really, it really is like that in my experience where the boys suddenly will, uh, realize that they can, they can run fast and they want to do that. Whereas the girls want to know, Hey coach, how fast do you want us to run? It's just that it's a mindset for kids more than it is an ability thing. Nick, yeah. are you still having nightmares about that little girls team that like waxed you when you were eight years old? Like I remember <laughs> talking about that a couple months ago. It was it was ten, and yeah, I mean that's never going to go away. Um, they were just <laughs> better than we were. Um, so Team Chicago, I'll never forget it. Um, the the <laughs> other thing I was curious about is there a number that you think that there should be a coach per kid? Like, is it like? Where, where do you think that it maximizes the amount of effectiveness a coach can have, like with a ratio of coaches per kids? At that, I, I like eight to one personally. Okay. I like eight to one. You can go high as ten, but once you get past ten kids, it gets a little chaotic, and um, it you know it can be done. I've been out with groups of twenty-five five-year-olds at you know, any one given time all by myself wondering if anybody's going to come out and help. Um, but it, it really is uh, I, like eight to one is a really good ratio because then nobody's getting left out. You can pay a little bit more attention to that one. That's kind of the, the timid one. And you can kind of give the, you know, extra uh, rein in to the one who's, you know, being a little rambunctious. And while I never really want to let I don't ever want to like drive that out of a kid because that's going to be useful down the road, but we have to find different ways to have that, um, that behavior constructive on the soccer field versus destructive, you know? Um, so I never want to, if I've got a kid who's just wild and crazy and the parents, they're always horrified by You know what their kid's doing when they're in that, that place. And it's like, no, mom, dad, you want them to be excited. You want them to be crazy when they're out there because you, it's easier to teach them 
the appropriate places for that a little later on than it is to teach them to be a little more aggressive on the field and be a little bit more of a risk taker because everybody's afraid of making mistakes. So even at that little young age, I've had so many kids who come in with this uh, a perfectionist type of an attitude, whereas the, some of my kids shut down, they don't want to play because they don't think they can do it or they can't do it perfectly right the first time. And it's that's, crazy. I mean, I, that's a great way. Like, I feel like you should, <laughs> I, I, as a coach, I need to hear that. Cause I, I've been <laughs> working recently with a group over like by us and it's, it's right around outside of Peoria and it, like the kids that have that energy, like it, it was honestly frustrating to me because I just like, I wanted them to listen. I wanted them to do all the things that I was saying. And it's just, it, it became a source of like frustration to me where it's like, I, I think kind of the way you just described it and worded it there puts it in a little bit of perspective where it's like, no, no, like at this age, you want them to kind of have that craziness and then eventually be able to dial back as opposed to not having that passion at all. Right. And there's tricks to get them to stop and listen. I, I learned a great one from, well, and my coach Abdul that I work with does this as well. Um, but I learned it from a guy who's uh, coaching down in California now. He was in Illinois for a while. And uh, it's, you know, like lightning claps and rock and roll claps and, you know, alligator claps and these sorts of things that all works with the little kids. And it's just something to quick rein in their attention right that second. And if it's something fun and they're all doing it together, all of a sudden you've got all eight, 10 kids on a page and then you can redirect and go yet you can go at it again. Uh, whereas if you try to get that one in with all the rest of them and you're focused on the one, it, the other ones kind of wander off. And if you can just, just get them immediately back and then start over again, it, it usually is a, a good thing. And Again, I think the most important thing is that you have the crazy on the field at that age with the the even U sevens. Uh, the the big thing that I see working with all, I, I'm working with all of the age groups now from you know a group of threes, a group of fives, a group of sevens, and it's really fun to see the difference of the understanding on it all within one week's time. You, can, you, you work with the threes, you work with the fives, you work with the sevens, and you're like, wow, you see the reasoning behind why you can't teach a five-year-old what a seven-year-old knows. Um, it's just, everybody needs to try it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I think, because I think for a lot of us, it's, I, I mean, I saw something the other day where it, it was a post on Twitter somewhere It talks about how we don't give young kids enough freedom to like even have recess anymore or to ha they have that moment where they just get to go mess around and get that energy out because then when they get back to the classroom, they do anything else, they're going to have that ability to hopefully dial in. But if we take that away, we take that like ability to just go be crazy for a little bit away it, that especially at that age, we're going to eventually force them to do it at, in different ways when they get older. Right. Well, and that and and when you take away when you take away the crazy uh, and and all the risk taking and all of that, you're, you're sucking the creativity right out of a game that that's the one thing that you need to be successful at the game. Um, you need to think on your feet. You need to 
Um, you need to be quick with, you know, decisions. You need to be able to just plain make a decision. I've seen kids that can't even decide, you know, what color cone they want to go stand in between. And it's like, we've put those things out. I see, you know, I see parents intervene, uh, when their kids can't make a decision where they, they, you know, especially with the little ones, we do have the parents around a little bit. You'll have parents that will come in and, you know, walk up to the side of the field and answer the question for their child. And and then you you take them aside and go, no, no, you got to let, you know, little Joey, whatever, go figure this out for himself. When I'm coaching kids, very rarely am I using statements. I'm always asking them questions. And I, encourage the parents to listen to what I'm asking the kids because I want them to do the same thing when they get the kids home um, instead of giving the kids the answers and feeding them all of the directions let the kids figure out the different ways of doing things and maybe maybe they're going to come up with a way that you never even thought of and they'll solve the problem in either a more efficient way or a way that works for them and um, you know that like the joysticking coaches in in rec that you see a lot um, because they don't get a lot of time to practice with their kids. They think the best way to coach the kids while they're out on the field is to tell them what to do with every move. And I just cringe when I see that because the, the kids need to be able to make the mistake and go, oh man, if I do that again, my, my buddy is going to get the ball and I don't want that. So uh, they learn faster when you when you let them take their own risks. They learn faster when you let them make their own choices. And, you know, it's safe to do that on the soccer field. It, it, there's other places where they're growing up that it isn't safe to let them do that. And um, it, it's just like let them let them be there. And it's just really cool to see what happens when everybody's kind of on that same wavelength and they're doing that with the kids just the most amazing things happen that yeah that's cool i mean like i i think again like that is it's it's funny when we talk about kids but sometimes even as adults i wish i would have had that type of reinforcement and information before i went and coached the group that i did a few mondays ago because it 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 was it was hard for me to bring myself out of the situation and remember what it was like to be a, a kid that young. And all I wanted to do was all the things that they're doing. Like, I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to like take touches with the outside of my foot or do pullbacks or all that stuff all the time. Like I wanted to do anything. I, I wanted to go shoot on the goal randomly. Like right. I wanted to do all that stuff. And it's, it's hard because you want to, as a coach, especially because I come from the college level, you want everything to run in a perfect system and <laughs> it clearly doesn't work like that at that level. No, no. Um, one of my best stories is of, of one of my, I, I work with tops as well. That's Sean Donhauser and his crew. Oh, and, he's the best. Uh, isn't he amazing? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's man. a whole nother road to go down. But um, one of our, one of our local programs decided to have a tops day and I, I told the coach that was was setting up the program, I said, you know, you, you have to really look at this as you're setting up a, a program for you five and you six kids. You have to set up drills in that way or activities or whatever you want to call them. And so he had this great plan. He goes in and he sets everything up. And in five minutes, the kids came and had 
all the cones knocked down, all the setup that he had just totally destroyed. And I go, yeah, it's like that when you're doing three and four year olds too. You never set the cones out before they show up because they're just going to take it and just wipe clean what you got. And you, you, I mean, it does definitely teaches you how to think on your feet as well. Um, but then you take that and you develop it into, okay, you guys just tore that all apart. Can you guys all set it back up the way it was? Do you know why it was set up the way it was? What do you think we're going to do? Um, and just turn it into your, suddenly it's your training session. Um, it's, it's crazy stuff. That's it. I got, I mean, talking to you for the last, I don't even, I don't have the timer up in front of me right now, but just talking to you for the last 20 or whatever minutes we've been going is for a person who never works with that age group and trying to work for that age group, it makes you realize how much people like you know more about this stuff than I've ever (laughs) even experienced. Uh, you know, and it's, it really is just doing it a lot. Um, I tell parents all the time, they got a, a U8 rec coach that goes in and thinks they're just going to nail it to the wall. And um, they struggle for 45 minutes to get through it. And I, I tell them, I said, yes, you have a seven-year-old child at home, but your child is seven years old for one whole year. I get seven-year-old children five days a week, year in and year out. It's a lot of experience and it's a lot of um, trial and error and a a lot of adapt and improvise on the run. Um, And you just have to be willing to do that um, to do, I think, what, what I do every day. Let's get into uh, to some Sean Danhauser action. Top soccer. Yeah. How did you get involved in, and uh, how's top soccer going for you? Um, well, I got involved kind of by accident. Uh, the complex where I used to work, uh, the gentleman who ran the program there. It's that program has been around for I want to say like twenty five years, and he actually no twenty. It was twenty years this year. Twenty years this year. And um, he had a son in this program who is now 26, um, still joins us every week. And uh, he was looking to retire. Kind of, he wanted to get off the field. He was willing to do some of the administration stuff, wanted to get off the field. And I said, well, I'd, I'd kind of be interested in doing that. And the, there was a guy that was coaching with me all the years. He taught me a lot of the things that I learned how to, to coach little kids. And uh, they had originally asked him, and he's very high-level coach, trains a lot of select teams, national championship winners, national coach of the year, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then there's just little old me, uh, you know, playing since I was middle-aged and hoping for the best. (laughs) And my level of soccer at the time was probably U11 and uh, thinking how, you know, how am I going to coach this? And he says, you know, come on down and coach with me with the tops. And he had every intention of just having me end up taking over tops because he was afraid of what it would take to work with these kids. And he wasn't sure of himself uh, getting the work done with these kids because it that is another really special animal. And uh, so I've been coaching with tops now. I think this is my sixth year coaching 
And then I got into the directorship with the state of Wisconsin and all of that kind of stuff because I couldn't sit on my hands at a meeting and ask lots of questions of why they were doing things the way they were doing <laughs> and ended up sort of being volunteered for uh, directing change, I think, is probably more than anything. So since uh, the last three years, our programs are growing. We're developing new ones all over the place. We had a new one start at the other soccer complex around the area. It's uh, a Milwaukee program that uh, kind of disappeared for a while. And out of the gates, we had uh, 50 kids on the field the first day. And I wow. have some really super great helpers with that one, uh, affiliated with Gigi's Playhouse and the Miracle League Baseball League um, here in Wisconsin. So it it's just it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I could make that a full-time job and then some. What was your, uh, that first experience like out at the, out at top soccer for you? Oh my gosh. It was, it was amazing. Um, I grew up with a couple of kids with special needs in my classroom. Um, so back in like the seventies and eighties when that was, um, it was not the integration thing was not a big thing. Kids were institutionalized. Um, they were marginalized and there were not a lot of, a lot of opportunities for them. Like there are today where the kids are being more integrated into mainstream cultural things, uh, whether it's arts, sports, whatever it is. And, um, I just knew these, uh, it was Gary and Jimmy, the two guys that were always involved in things with my school, I, I went to a small church school and they were always involved in activities, um, and always around. And so I've never, I've never been uncomfortable around that group of people. And, um, since doing this, honestly, they're, some of these kids, like I said, now they're in their, their late teens, early twenties have just become my friends just by doing this program and we all can't we start in another month with my Brookfield program we all I'm getting texts and emails from these kids going when are we starting coach it's not coming from the parents it's coming from the kids and um, I just find that absolutely fascinating and and I love it and uh, I just it's it's a really special place for me I I get more from these kids and these parents than they they probably have any idea it's it's a magical thing. It's no lie. I, I and we always anytime that we we mention top soccer on the show, like all of us have have done something with it, and I we try to stress to people who haven't worked with a with a top soccer group before, like how like you said, like how changing it is for you, and actually like how much fun it is too. I know that's oh one thing gosh. that Sean always talks about. Like think about your your U16 travel team that stresses you out all the time, and they're stressed <laughs> out all the time, and the parents are stressed all the time. Now you can go with a team that's never going to complain about you as a coach. You got parents that are just happy that you're there. You got kids who are happy that you're there and you can have fun. You can have a smile on your face while you're training, you're playing. Uh, so, you know, if, if there's somebody who's listening right now and, and they've like, man, like you guys have talked about top soccer for a long time now, what would be like your, I don't even want to say sales pitch, but what would be like if you, the, if there were like a reason for a coach who works with a club team, a high school team, college team, whatever it may be, what is the reason for that coach to go find a top soccer program and help out? Um, I would say, um, it's a, it's a big thing for a lot of kids to step out of their comfort zone and get out there and 
um, try to figure out where some of these top kids are at. Um, I see kids walk out on the field to come and volunteer who on their travel team and in their high school hallways are the most confident kid in the whole wide world and they get on a uh, top soccer field and they're kind of stunned and really apprehensive and it it brings out a, a whole um i don't know sensitive side or a, a a vulnerable side to them um because i think they realize how vulnerable these kids are that we're working with and then the next thing that you see is this um complete drive to want to help these kids and while that's really cool and that's really important, I think the next step that these kids discover is they find these kids don't really need help so much as they need companionship, um, validation that they can play soccer too, and um, that other people want to play with them. Uh, I think that's the next biggest step that people kind of discover from this. And um, then as a coach, um, I get to work with a lot of the parents as well when we're prepping for seasons and things and getting events organized. And the big thing that we hear from the parents is, you know, my child identifies as a soccer player because you took the time to play with them out on a field. Um, this is a big part of their life. I had a I had an athlete uh, a couple years ago who suddenly at 18 had passed away and uh, went to her funeral, um, talked to her mom, and her mom said, you know, all she talked about was two things. She was involved in first age theater here, and she, she defined herself as a poet and a defender. And I just <laughs> thought that was really amazing. And uh, that always will stick with me because um, that little hour of time that you give to that kid a week with them as being the focus um, sometimes is the one thing that they identify with that gives them um, some self-worth or some, you know, with their own selves. It's not that they're looking, you know, maybe parents are not looking for the self-worth or, or that's not the the purpose of it, but you see them self-confidence and all of those things it it builds it for them and again it goes back to building it with the volunteers as well because suddenly the comfort zone stretches and they're playing soccer my brookfield crew sometimes people come in and don't realize that it's actually a top soccer program because my last part of the the session is always a scrimmage and i don't buddy up anybody in my program anymore because everybody knows everybody else. Some of these kids go to high school with some of the other kids and we put them on the field, pennies, non-pennies. Nobody realize, realizes it's even a TOPS program at that point because it's a soccer game going on in the field. And to me, that's always amazing. Absolutely. It. I just, I'm so like enamored with the program and I think of, like I know uh, we, we kind of talked because we had Sean Addison uh, yeah. from any premiere on on our show when we were up in Chicago and I've actually ran into Sean um gosh a handful of times last spring just from our teams playing in the, in the same space sure. um and I I just for me in being in Indiana at least I'm amazed how like 
we really only have like one top soccer program mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. And just knowing, um, knowing like Southern India as, as much as I do and, and how in these high schools, like the peer tutor programs, I mean, it's basically like invite to get into those things because so many mm-hmm. kids want to do it. Mm-hmm. And to think like that there, there has to be a calling for that, uh, yeah. in these areas where you do have these, these schools where, kids are involved with those kids and, and want to be a part of their lives. And you can give them the opportunity to do so other than just being at school together. They can get out on the field and play a game and yeah. still have that same relationship that they do at school. And I think um, I, I, I've always wanted to, and, and this will happen, but I've always wanted to partner up with the Best Buddies program because it almost brings an instant, uh, you know, peer relationship onto the field so that the kids are right into the soccer right away instead of trying to build up these relationships between kids who um, might not be familiar with working with special needs or, or those sorts of things. Um, I know I worked with a coach in Brookfield who um, I couldn't do my session and I had asked him to take over for me and he said he was the most nerve-wracking session he'd ever done because he was really worried more about the health reasons of you know, you know what happens if a kid uh, has a seizure, what happens if a kid gets, you know, overheated and what do I do? And I said, you know, a lot of the kids in our program have been instructed on what kids to watch out for. You, you get to know these kids just like you do any other soccer team and you know what their health idiosyncrasies are. And, um, I think the less you go in fearing it and the more knowledge you have, um, makes all the difference. And so, Literally, Top Soccer has the most amazing network of coaches who uh, get together. We get together at the the coaching convention. We get we try to get a symposium in the region once a year. We've gotten com- combination symposiums where we've met with out with the West, the Midwest met with the West Coast one one year in Denver. And everybody is bouncing all these ideas off of everybody else and how to you know how to get the autistic kids who are in their own world into the, you know, into the world of, you know, reacting and engaging with other people. How do you get the Down syndrome kids, you know, running because they're a little on the overweight side. This, this, this one kid that I have just tears it up. Mom's like, I got to get him running because he's got to lose some weight. Um, You know, it's like these, these things we all share, all of our experience through these symposiums and stuff. And honestly, it is, you think the coaching world is tight. The top soccer world is like buckled down. I guarantee it. It's amazing. Oh, I mean, honestly, we met a few of them in Chicago and it was like, I, like, I wish I had friends like that. Like it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nope. It's the most amazing crew. So you, if I remember correctly, you guys had the uh, battle wars or or border wars, border battle. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. How was was that? Um, we had it was it was amazing. Illinois won. Okay, I'll give you guys that. Um, but um, we had one of the best turnouts. We've we've done it for three years now, and um. The special needs community is a very there, there's there's a routine and a regiment to almost everything they do. Um, a lot of the kids kind of thrive on that, and mm-hmm. to ask them to a come to a special soccer event 
and B, to travel to a special soccer event um, isn't always the easiest thing to get a big turnout. And this year, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, we had a, a full field of older kids. We had a whole stadium bench worth of parents cheering. Um, I think Sean probably has some video of that somewhere up on his Facebook page. If you go and look at that, it's just, it was, the, um, the atmosphere was outstanding. We had uh, Stefan's Soccer Supply here, and in, in, it's our, our big uh, soccer shop. They had a lounge there with video games, and it was like any other tournament for any other kid, and it was made just for these guys. I had a little guy walk off the field, and he said, this is the most fun I've had in soccer. He's kind of on, he's kind of, um, he walks the line between, uh, the regular rec soccer teams and the top soccer teams. And, uh, he walked off and he goes, all of these people wanted me to play here. He goes, he doesn't always experience that with his regular soccer teams because he's seen as the little odd duck, um, who does things a little different than some other kids. And, you know, kids are mean, um, they, they will sometimes pick on him. He goes here, I scored goals and I, I, I was, I was part of a team and he, at, at nine years old, he's expressing this. And, um, we had turn for volunteer turnout. We had more volunteers than we needed to get the job done. It was just outstanding. That's just a, it's such a cool concept, and I know like hearing it from from Sean was the, kind of the first time I had uh, I had heard that. And you know, if if he won this year, that just means that next year it's it's your oh, crown uh, to oh, take. Yeah, we're gonna take it in their house. Thank you very much. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> gonna show up in Illinois and, and take the crown back. Um, That's right. And and because Sean will never put himself over. Just I mean, quickly if you can, like if there's. Uh, an association or somebody who's wanting to do a top soccer, right? Getting out with, with Sean, uh, you know, what, what does he bring to top soccer? And the thing is like, it's more than just the Illinois top soccer. He brings top soccer to a lot. He's reg- of yeah. He's regional. Yeah. And, and like I said, he, he has connected and he has brought new life to the regional stuff. Um, I think, I, I don't want to say you get burned out because that's not exactly it, but you do, you do run into a lot of walls and a lot of um, you, you, you want more support than you usually get. You want bigger turnouts than you normally get. It's, it's really hard work to um, put a program out there um, as a director, as a, as a regional director. And um, it, it does get frustrating sometimes because of that aspect, because when you're taking this to soccer clubs, um, it used to be you would go to the DOC or the president of the club and say, hey, would you like to do a, a top soccer program? And you would get crickets um, because the focus is not on the fringes. Top soccer does not bring any revenue in in any way. Um, it is, it's really just a, a program that brings the game to the fringes of kids that wouldn't normally get to play and I think once somebody experiences it it's uh, it's a way easier sell if you will um, but I think uh, what Sean brings is just this continuous driven 
man who has all these great ideas, who's not afraid to jump out there in front of the bus and go, stop, we're going to try and do this and take that risk. And um, he he likes to poke the bear on some things and gets the job done by doing it. And um, he's he's got a, a absolutely beautiful son um, who is autistic and the things that have come out of him being able to do this for him. Uh, I've, I've known Jake for six years since he was 10 and um, he, where he is now, it's, it's just, it's neat to see him interacting with people. And uh, he remembers me when I, I'm coach honey when (laughs) when he sees me. (laughs) It's like, I, to, to have that, uh, engagement with him as basically a stranger is just huge. And I know that's part of the reason why Sean does it. Um, but because of the kids like, like Jake, it's not just Jake, it's not just for Jake. It is for, he is out there for every kid and he makes the connections and he does the networks and, um, he just, he's just, he's just that guy that just makes things happen. Well, I think you, you said it right. It's not he's not doing it all for his son. He's treating other people's kids as if they were yeah. his own and trying to get the same things for them as as he would his own. Yeah. Um, so, so you guys have the 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 border battle with Illinois. Are there any other states that do that, or do you guys do that with other states? Um, so Utah, Colorado did it uh, recently, and that was it was uh, an okay turnout. Um, they have been talking about doing one Michigan, Ohio. And then they've been talking about doing one, maybe Northern Indiana, Ohio, or uh, Northern Indiana, um, Illinois. Um, they've also talked about doing um, Michigan, Indiana. There's there, there's a lot of people uh, starting to talk a bit about trying to organize these because of the one that we did here, Wisconsin, Illinois, it, it was, we want to do a Minnesota, we have a program out in Western Wisconsin. So we maybe want to do a, a Wisconsin, Minnesota one out on out lacrosse, uh, lacrosse area. The, uh, rush program out there has a tops program. Um, and Minnesota has a, a very unique program where they have actual, like a high school league that operates with wow. older kids that play literally a lot like, um, any other recreational league, keep stats the whole nine yards. It's really, it's really quite cool. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, if the if the border battle was like a, a nationally like thought of concept, or was that something that you guys started and um, was just it's, kind of taken on? Turning out to be, I think uh, people have heard the idea and they're like, we want to do that. Uh, I know uh, Sandy down in California wants to do one. I want to say with. Um, I think Vegas has a program now and uh, while it's not necessarily a border, they're bordering States. So uh, she was talking about doing one and um, it's just, like I said, the network and, and all of us, we're all friends. We, we do kind of like what we're doing right now. A lot of us will sit down with uh, Skype or whatever and just, you know, Hey, what are you guys doing and what's going on? And if it's not Skype, it's texting, you know, I got this great idea. What do you think? Um, and you know, they could be, we have programs that were running in Alaska. Now the guy from Alaska is in Oregon. Alaska's got a program. Yeah, they did. I don't know how strong and viable it is anymore. The guy who was running it is now in in Oregon. Um, so it, it, it really does. 
it really does linchpin on some of these key people who are uh, the Shans and, you know, the, the I, I'd say the Shans, but there's two of them, the Shans yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of people who are holding those programs together and getting people on board and, and getting them on the, on the bus and saying, Hey, let's, let's do these things. We did a really cool thing uh, last year, Sean, Addison had developed it on at the um, the regional championships. They did a showcase game, and mm-hmm. we did it again at the regional championships in Michigan this year. And while the kid the the athlete turnout for tops wasn't super huge, uh, those kids got the attention as if it was two hundred kids in the room. Um, the referees came in and they. Uh, they played against referees. They played with the referees. They did games. They had a big uh, soccer pong thing that Sean brings in these big red uh, garbage cans, and they set it up like beer pong, and you have to throw in the soccer balls. And he's got an Angry Birds setup that's really amazing with these cardboard bricks that they bowl these over, and the kids just love these games. And we were there for, I want to say it was five hours and it went by like a breeze. Nobody, everybody's like, are we done already? We have to leave. We have to go back to what we were doing before. Um, and then the showcase game, we had a big giant soccer ball out for that. And uh, we had, oh my gosh, we had cheering in the stands as if it was, you know, a, a Premier League game. Um, chants and, and player names and call outs. And it was, it was just really cool. Um, and we'll be doing that again um, at the next championship. It's already planned. We're already figuring out what we're going to do. That will happen again too. I was going to say, like, what's, what's next for top soccer? It seems like every year you guys have something bigger going on. Ask Sean Downhauser. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I think that's probably the most acceptable answer. That's a good default. He's got all the ideas. We'll just follow him anywhere he goes. So what's going to be your strategy to, uh, to walk in his house and take food out of his refrigerator and win that, uh, border battle? (laughs) <laughs> well, let's see. I, I'm not good at that stuff and I'm not sneaky and I'm not, oh, that's just like my worst traits, which probably makes me a, a nice person. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll get him uh, completely off guard then. There you that's, go. That's my, that's my, that's my strategy. <laughs> that's my strategy to have none and then come at him and he'll never see it coming. What's been, uh, you know, in, in the last 14 years working, uh, you know, with the little ones working with top soccer, um, and, and, you know, and starting out in the game, uh, later in life, what has just been the moment that when it's all said and done, there's going to be one moment that sticks out that just makes you say like, that's why I did this. Um, I think that's probably the deepest question I've ever asked on the show in two years. That was a really good question. <laughs> really awesome job. Wow. I'm really behind. I'm really behind this new Sean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's new Sean. I'd like to say it was, I'd like to say it was a drink, but I just have a uh, Tropicana fruit punch is all I've got. I'm working oh, on it right now. So I'm with the seltzer water. I got nothing on that. Um, I would say probably it's really got it boils down to the tops to be honest i mean i really i really enjoy working with the little kids um i really enjoy the fact that parents um want them to be in 
involved and be active and all of those things. But um, the the TOPS program, there there have been so many moments that just sometimes just left me in tears um, because of just the emotion that these kids can bring and the emotion that these families can bring um, just by simply going out and playing a game with them. Um, it, it's not a hard thing to do. Um, I we've had a, a long break the last couple of months. I I'm missing it terribly. Um, it is the highlight night of my week that in, and now I get two of them because I'm working the Brookfield program and the Milwaukee program. It's the highlight of my week going in and just getting together with these kids and talking to them and seeing what's going on in their world. And, and I think probably some of the, the, the most exciting things were like when, uh, the mom is like, is it okay if my daughter has your email address? I know she's emailing you all the time or texting you all the time. And I said, you know, I'll just say, hey, don't have time to talk or whatever. I, I'll just be honest with them. And they're, the kids are okay with that. They just want to connect to people. And I, that's, that's the most amazing thing to me is just getting to know those kids and doing that for them. That was that was. The you can't drag me away from this. That's that was my one big moment. I, I would say probably the first time I walked out off of the tops field and went, wow, this is going to be really cool. That's awesome. We have uh, Ronnie Andrew with us from North Shore United. You know about soccer chat. It's all about getting coaches networked and, and connected together. Uh, if somebody is listening to this right now and they've got uh, questions about top soccer or they're like me and they've got questions about coaching the little itty bitty ones. Cause as soon as I found that my wife was doing it, you were the first person I reached out to and was like, Hey, <laughs> we need help. Um, so, you know, if somebody's just wanting more information on, on maybe, uh, they, they want to compare rec ideas and, and things that you're doing with your rec program and stuff that they're doing, uh, just like if somebody's wanting to reach out, you know, what are, what are the ways that people can get connected with you? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook at, um, Ronnie Andrew there. Um, I do have Twitter. I just recently learned how to use it. There you go. <laughs> this old girl's going to learn some new tricks. Um, I am at coach gummy bear, G U M M I B A E R the German spelling. Cause there's no umlauts. Um, so coach uh, at coach gummy bear on Twitter, uh, Ronnie Andrew or Ronnie a at North shore United dot org is my email address. Um, those are probably the the big ones or top soccer WI for top soccer, Wisconsin at gmail.com. I think it is. Well, the fact that you knew all those compared to Nick barely knowing his Twitter name <laughs> is impressive. I know it now. It just took a little bit of time to be fair, Nick. I studied. You, that's, I mean, <laughs> someone's got to, <laughs> to be She's fair. Like, I I'm studied. Going- I'm going to get these username rights because my co-host or my uh, the the guys hosting the show hardly get theirs correct. But uh, <laughs> no, thank you again so much, Ronnie. Nick always brings up that you know he and I will text during uh, the shows while we're talking, and this is definitely one that we were like, okay, this is good. Um, just just absolutely informational, educational, and I think the thing that the big takeaway for me out of this is just your passion for, for all kids, not just the ones who are on the premier teams, not just the ones who are on the, the light travel teams or the rec program. I mean, your passion for every kid 
who who touches uh, touches the ball and touches the field. Uh, I can I can sense that that first time you step on the field after you got up from falling. Um, <laughs> that you know that's what these kids feel um, when they're out there working with you. And on behalf of the soccer community, we want to thank you for everything you do because Lord knows Nick and I could not do three and seven year olds for 14 years. Um, I have two kids of my own. I barely can make it through that. Uh, <laughs> but everyone in the soccer community, like for what you're doing for top soccer, for what you're doing for these little ones, we want to thank you. And we want to thank you so much for coming on and taking some time out of your day to, to hang out with us. Well, thanks for having me. I've been following you guys for a while and I love what you guys are doing with the networking thing. I've met so many great people just through your show and connecting with them that uh, it's a great honor to be able to do this with you guys. So thanks. It was kind of cool that our intro conversation went the way it did because I think a person like Ronnie would have been able to give us an even better guidance about how to have that conversation beforehand because she is a person just, I, I think my favorite part about her, and we talk about this all the time about the show, is that her background has no indication that she would be as smart as she is in regards to soccer. Absolutely. She, I mean... It's it's so cool when you have a person like that that has just come from just a completely different path than most people have come to and really found a way to make a huge impact on a lot of people's lives that I I don't know they like she probably didn't even think she'd be doing at like in the beginning of her career. Oh, I I don't see how anybody who could start off, you know, middle age crisis whatever I forget what she called it. And, uh, you know, just got into playing and all of a sudden decide like, oh, I'm going to coach and be like, you know, what? I'm going to coach full time. Like and, and doing that literally in no time. Um, that's it, it. Her journey is amazing. And I know that you always mention on the show is you love the um, why can I never think of this word when we t- when you talk about the nonconventional? Uh, that's not the word, is it? Unconventional? Yeah. Unconventional, I think, is the phrase. Um I always enjoy uh, that the uh, the past that people take, and I would say of all the shows we've done, hers is the most interesting. Oh, it is definitely the most interesting. I mean, like I, I again, I've been we've been doing this for a long time, and I don't even know what number show we're on at this point, but we've been doing this for a long time, and we every single week I always say like, oh man, this is a person you should follow because that was not the typical coaching story and she's definitely the most atypical coaching story that we've had. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm glad that we were able to have her on and definitely if you, if you can reach out to Ronnie, uh, just full of information. If you happen to work with little ones, uh, you know, she's been good to, to me and, and, and sending me some good stuff to do with Quinn and her teams, uh, that, that we're trying out. Um, I'll have to send you this video, Nick. I think, we did something with Quinn's Academy team the other night that I really think your team, the Fighting Scots, would absolutely love to play. Who is that? I, I've got this drill 
that I think that we did it with Quinn's Academy team the other night that I think your team would absolutely love to play. All right. I'm all ears. It's called How Much Time Referee. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. So all your players start off with the ball in the end line, and they have to all scream out How Much Time Referee. And you say five seconds. They you count down five seconds, and when you get to one and turn around, if anyone's still dribbling, they have to go all the way to the back to where whoever the last person is. So uh, let's say nobody, everybody stops when you say. Then you turn around as you keep walking towards the end line. They say, "How much time, referee?" Um, if by chance you say yellow card, they all have to uh, beg for mercy to not be thrown out of the game. <laughs> and you ha- and you say okay you like you're in you're in you're in, uh so then you know how much time referee they ask again you can come up with any time whether it's one second ten seconds twenty seconds whatever you want to do, um and then if they say uh, how much time referee and you say injury time they all have to drop to the ground and act like something's broken and scream as loud as they can, um and then you get to a point where you say okay you know they say how much time referee and you say You've got eight seconds to get to the last line. Um, but anytime somebody goes over or they're, like, they're still moving when, whenever you stop them, they've got to go all the way back to wherever the last person is. I think your team would enjoy that. I, I think I could get behind this. Like, I, I feel like I might need to like, like get all the instructions from you, but I, I could definitely get behind doing this for our team. That's, <laughs> that's literally the instructions. I'll send you a video of Quentin's team doing it. I kind of want to see it. And, and uh, you, you you can watch it. It's it's uh, the game only lasted probably about like two and a half minutes, but it's totally it's it's so fun. And I the the uh, girl that I'm I'm coaching Quinn's Academy with um, said that she got it from um, Man United. Uh, videos. And I was like, well, okay. And I, and she was just like, I think even older kids would love this. I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Like I want to try this with. Um, an older team because I think that they really, really would like it. Um, so I'm going to send this video to you, and uh, you can you can check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I for whatever reason when you talk about your team being the uh, um, Wang Chung team, now when I hear these like practice games, I always think of your team and like oh like I think Nick's team would like to do this. We definitely we definitely do our fair share of games for sure. Uh, do you do the, uh, what is it? It's like, um, head, shoulders, knees, cones. We, we do that like probably twice a year. Like I don't like to overuse it cause I think that it's like, it's a great game, but I think it can like, I would say it's welcome, but we do it about twice a year. I, I like it from a mental aspect. I've noticed like with my little guys, I've been doing, um, it or, um, I will do, something uh i do some type of um like just some type of like mental thing some type of mental game to like get their mind going um and and make them think so uh there's there's a bunch that i that i get uh um that i think that you will you will definitely um you'll, you'll definitely just be like okay like yeah i'm definitely doing that with my team um, so yeah, if you got some cool games that you think we would enjoy, send them our way and, uh, we'll give them a, we'll give them a shot and, and see what happens. 
But, uh, you know, you can join the conversation with us every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Just follow the hashtag Soccer Chat. Follow us online at Chat Soccer, S-O-C-C-R. We are on Twitter and Facebook now. We're trying to do the whole, uh, or not Twitter and Facebook. We've always been on Facebook. Instagram. We're, we're doing the whole Instagram thing now so you can get uh, who our guests are on there along with uh with some some random pictures that uh that we will throw on there or things that's going on it's a great way to see what is going on with us going into january whereas you heard last week we're going to go back to united soccer coaches podcast row at the convention in baltimore so make sure to mark your calendars if you have not signed up sign up as soon as you can for the united soccer coaches convention it's an absolute amazing thing to attend to it's going to be great for your coaching career it's going to be great for your professional development it's going to be even better for your networking let your boys over at soccer chat help you out we get you connected to network with all of our friends and family members of soccer chat shout out to our friends over at dutic brand fc we're dutic brand fc members so check out dutigbrand.com use the promo code soccer chat also our friends over at torex t-o-r-r-x.com torex soccer on twitter shout out to our boys over at soccer iq they've got the amazing tactical pictures graphs videos whatever you may need to quiz your team go check them out on twitter at soccer iq one man nick what a week what an interview i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this week it was a great week if uh, somebody wants to reach out to you on twitter and and give you uh some new fun games for the scots to play how can they do so at coach and rizzo what about you brother and mine is at coach solderling and you know the cool thing and the best thing is that we get to do this all over again next week he's nick i'm sean nick we'll catch you later see you later brother